Good morning and welcome to worship on this, the sixth Sunday of Easter. I pray that you are all doing well and I greet you from your living room couch or your dining room table or wherever you might be as you join us for worship on this morning. My name is Nicholas Gonzalez and I'm the associate pastor here at St. Andrew and I pray a blessing on your worship and I thank you for joining us this morning. Together we begin in the name of our Heavenly Father, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, at this time, I'd like to invite you to join me in confession as together uh, we confess our sins to God knowing that God is gracious and merciful and forgives our sins. Let us pray. Gracious God, from the bondage of sin, the walls that separate us and our failure to love you and our neighbor, we pray that you will set us free by your forgiveness and grace, and that by these, your gifts in the crucified and risen Christ, you will empower us to speak boldly for justice and truth, and help us to work together with mutual love and respect for the sake of your glorious mission, the hope of the whole world, and the glory of your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God, who is rich in mercy, loves us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and your sins are forgiven, which I declare to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Lord be with you and also with you. Let us pray. O God, from whom all good things flow, lead us by the inspiration of your Spirit to think those things which are right and by goodness help us to do them. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from the New Testament book of Acts, the 17th chapter, beginning at the 22nd verse. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God, and perhaps grope for him and find him, though he is indeed not far from each one of us. For in him... We live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has a fixed day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi everyone. In today's Bible story, we hear about the Apostle Paul in Athens, Greece. While Paul was in Athens, he saw a monument that said, to the unknown God. The people of Athens wanted to honor any God that might exist, but they didn't know about. Paul used this opportunity to tell the people about the God we know. He told the people that our one God created everything and gives life to all things. He also told the people that we belong to a God who loves and cares for us. When Paul delivered this message, some of the people laughed at him and didn't believe him. Some of the people were curious and wanted to know more about this God, and some of the people believed what Paul said. Paul chose to unwrap the gift of God's word so that he could share it with those around him, and some of the people chose to receive this gift. God's word is a gift, and he wants you to share it with the people around you, just like Paul shared it with the people of Athens. Let's open this gift and see what's inside. They're Bible verses. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Deuteronomy 6, 5. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Psalms 118, verse 6. 
Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. These verses are gifts from God that we can use to share his love with those around us. Let's fold our hands, bow our heads, and say a prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to have courage to share it with those around us so we can show other people your love. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for protecting us. And thank you for being with us. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. One of the challenges that people like Pastor Nick and I face during these days is the challenge of looking at a piece of scripture on which we are about to preach and asking the question, what if anything does this have to do with life in the midst of a worldwide pandemic? Well, with that question, I invite you to journey with me into the 17th chapter of the book of Acts, back in time to the middle of the first century, and to a location high above downtown Athens, Greece which was a place of remarkable culture, music, literature, philosophy, and a lot of other things where we find none other than St. Paul himself addressing a group of people in this highly educated, sophisticated city that was also full of idols and where people were worshiping a long list of mythological gods and trying to please them in a variety of ways. At the top of that list of gods was the goddess Athena, after whom the city of Athens gets its name and whose temple, known as the Parthenon, rests even to this day on the Acropolis, which was the highest and is the highest point of the city, which is where the word Acropolis actually gets its name. It's said that the Athenians had a god for just about everything. And as you heard a moment ago, they even had an altar to an unknown god, just in case they happened to miss one along the way. And so the people of Athens were sophisticated, they were educated, but religiously they were all over the map and nowhere at the same time. Well, a few hundred yards away from the Acropolis and the Parthenon was a smaller hill, still very high above the city, and it was known as the Areopagus, after the Greek god Ares, the Roman equivalent of which was Mars, which means that the Areopagus was also known as Mars Hill. And the people of Athens would go up to Mars Hill, and they would sit on the rocks, and they would get this gorgeous panoramic view of the city, and there they would discuss religion, philosophy, and all the new ideas that were coming along. Back then, Areopagus was also a word that referred to kind of a town council that used to try court cases, but now facilitated these religious and, and philosophical discussions for people who came along. Well, when Paul first gets to Athens, he doesn't go to Mars Hill. He goes to the local synagogue, and there he preaches and proclaims Jesus Christ as the promised Messiah of Israel, which was his usual MO whenever he went to, into a place that had a synagogue. And he quotes the scriptures from the Old Testament, and he points to all the ways that Jesus is the fulfillment of those scriptures, which I obviously love. But then he leaves the synagogue. He takes his ministry from the temple, and he enters the marketplace, which was known as the Agora. And he meets people who were not part of his religious pedigree. And he starts talking to them about Jesus and about the glory and the power of his resurrection, which is why this passage from Acts 17 always pops up 
during the season of Easter. If you go back a little bit in Acts 17, you'll find that some of the people Paul talked to were known as Epicureans, and Epicureans put a high value on personal pleasure, and they, they said that happiness was life's highest goal. He also met some people known as Stoics. They were into self-sufficiency and to communing with nature. But what Luke tells us in Acts 17, in the passage that you heard, is that as Paul talked to these people, he was absolutely heartbroken because there they were, sophisticated, well-educated, and yet putting their trust in idols, in worshiping mythological gods that were never going to be real and they were never going to deliver what all of us need the most. I don't know about you, but one of the things that this pandemic has been doing for me is exposing a lot of the idols that still exist in the world today. They are false gods, the things and even the people in whom we put our trust, we invest our energy, our time, and even our money. And they are not delivering because they are shut down. Our idols don't go by names like Athena or Ares or Mars or Poseidon. We might call them the Nationals or the Yankees. And we love to gather at their temples throughout the course of days just like this. Or we think of the concert hall that you cannot go to where your favorite artist or your band or your orchestra was scheduled to perform or uh, to the temple that we know as the shopping mall where we go and we spend our money on things that we may or may not need or even the arena where you will not be walking across the stage to get that diploma that you work so hard to earn. Don't get me wrong, all of those things are great they bring us pleasure and satisfaction and recognition and accomplishment and even blessings from God. And some of them are necessities in the fabric of our lives. And, and I want all of them back. I want to go to the mall. I don't even like them all. But if we turn any of those things into our idols and treat them as things that we can't live without, that's going to be a bad day. And we're in for a very disappointing and hard road in the days and weeks and months ahead. Some people make idols out of a relationship that may be good or not so good, but will ultimately disappoint us at the end of the day. For some people, our idol is an entertainer, a celebrity, an athlete, your favorite politician, your favorite newscaster. Even religious people can make idols out of their place of worship, which I think applies to where we are in some respects to this very day, meaning that even people who love the Lord can be wrestling with idols and false gods. But I guarantee you that those who don't even know Jesus are wrestling with the insufficiency of the idols and the so-called false gods in their lives. And, and we know many of them because they're our family members, they're our friends, they're our colleagues. And you may not be seeing them face to face, but you're texting, you're emailing, you're talking on the phone, you're Zooming and FaceTiming and all the rest. Now let's go back to Athens, where Paul takes his ministry out of the worship place and into the marketplace. He's in the Agora, and he's talking to people about Jesus. And their reaction 
is to be skeptical. And yet he captures their attention, and as a result, he gets invited to guess where? Mars Hill, otherwise known as the Areopagus, to discuss these things further. And there, on that hill, with the Agora and the marketplace below him, with the Parthenon and the Acropolis above him, he tells the people of Athens that their unknown God is the only true God. And he is revealed in a very real person, in the very real life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because we don't have a God for this and a God for that. We have one God of grace. And there are a few things that Paul specifically does that I want to invite you to think about with respect to your own life and with respect to the relationships that you have with the people with whom you're Zooming, FaceTiming, texting, calling, emailing along the way. The first thing he does is he treats them with utmost respect and with dignity and even compliments them, as you heard, when he says to them, I can see that you are very religious people. He doesn't say, you know, you're stupid for believing these mythological gods. He doesn't ride through the Agora smashing up their idols. He treats them with dignity and with respect. And the second thing that he does is that he seeks to speak their language. He even quotes their own Greek poets with words and phrases like, we are God's offspring, or in him we live and we move and we have our being. That's all from Greek poetry, and now it's part of the Christian scriptures. See, when Paul went into the synagogue, he quoted the Old Testament scriptures because that was their language. But in the Agora and up on Mars Hill, he quotes their own writers because it engages them. It draws their in, them in, and they get close to him as a result. And the most important thing that he does is that he speaks gently but clearly about Jesus and about the power and the glory of his resurrection, about the blessedness of Easter when he very carefully tries to move them to a new place in their thinking, a new place in their believing, when he says to them, our God does not dwell in idols made of silver or gold or stone or in shrines made of human hands, which we probably need to hear right about now, but that he is not far from any of us because we don't have a God for this and a God for that. We have a God of grace. And I think if you and I can remember those few things with respect to our own relationships and the relationships that might come along in the course of this pandemic, I think that there may be a chance that by God's grace, this time can be a major turning point toward the one whose love and life is stronger than any virus or anything else and can affect a human soul so powerfully that we begin to put down our idols, trust in him, rise above our circumstances, and live a new life today and in all of our tomorrows, come what may. We don't know very much about the result or outcome of Paul's visit to Mars Hill, although we are told in Acts chapter 17 
that a number of people did become followers of Jesus. But of course, what we also know is that today, a little more than 93% of the population of modern day Greece identifies as Christian. In part, I believe, because of a guy who had a heart for Jesus, a heart for people, treated them with respect and dignity, and took the world to a whole new place by identifying and making known the unknown God in the real life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is always with us wherever we are and wherever we go. Or as a woman who was a member of a congregation whose church building burned down right here in Washington, D.C. several years ago, said on the news, God is with us, and we're gonna keep going because the church is in our hearts. Our friend Dr. Dale Meyer will be retiring next month as president of our denomination seminary in St. Louis, and he likes to tell the story of another church leader by the name of Dr. Arnold Kuntz, who once said that as time goes on, life narrows down and crisis comes. And suddenly, there's only one thing that matters. And there, in that narrow space, stands Jesus. So God, give us all the grace to put down our idols, to rise above our circumstances, to trust in him alone, and to look for the next chance that we have to make this unknown God known to those around us so that together we can make it through by the grace of God and know that he is with us, whoever we are and wherever we go.
Together, church, we join our hearts and minds in prayer as we pray for the church, the world, and for all of creation, trusting in God to hear us when we call. Lord God, we give you thanks for all those who are on the front lines of care during this pandemic. We ask you to protect and watch over first responders, nurses, doctors, emergency medical personnel, and all whose selfless service aids and comforts your people in every earthly need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift up all who are injured, ill, or dealing with afflictions of body and soul. Lord, give them your strength as they face trials and tribulations of all kinds, and may they know your grace and comfort. And may you give them your peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious Lord, look with favor upon all those who are in leadership positions. As tough decisions need to be made, help leaders to do so with wisdom. May they trust that you are indeed working all things together for good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, we pray for the lonely, for those who suffer the burdens of life without friendship or family, for those depressed or weary of pandemic measures, and for the fellowship of the church. Lord, that together we may bear one another's burdens and live in community with each other, as together we are the one body in Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, help us to continue to grow in our love for you and for one another. By the power of your Holy Spirit, stir up our hearts to seek your forgiveness and mercy 
and fill our hearts with the desire to grow in our relationship with you each and every day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, into your hands we commit all of our prayers, and together we lift up our voices as we pray the family prayer of the church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Church, receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.